Bucky Neal. Come on. I'm, I'm excited. This is going to be an all-time time. It's been 20 minutes. This is going to be, be good. Hey, I'll, I'll go. I'll go as long as you guys want to go. This thing is awesome, and I can't wait for the opportunity. If you guys are ready, I'll make a short intro. I'll make a rock and roll. Coming to you live, standing in the parking lot of Cherry Street Shopping District outside the famous Elway Steakhouse in Denver, Colorado. I, uh, my team just got done with our Saturday play at the National Western Stock Show, the New Yards, as they say. And uh, we had a very nice time today. But uh, as we like to do on the MLT Big Show, we like to honor the history of the game and... Uh, individuals that have contributed to what I grew up in and what they grew up in. And uh, tonight we're joined by Ryan Havinger as well as Bucky Neal from Iowa. And uh, we're going to have a conversation about one of the legends of my youth in the 1990s and 2000s. And uh, we're going to have a conversation about Iowa. And uh, obviously Bucky and Ryan both uh, have made their own impact in the Uh, well, do you have any idea? Dorn. 
Gene Dorn is an alumni yeah, of the MLC Big Show. We we published a uh, a podcast with Gene last uh, June or May or whatever, whenever it was. And, oh, yeah. uh, just uh, turning the conversation back towards bull display and whatnot. Um, I was telling Bucky the other day on the phone whenever I made the call on my way to Denver that I wanted to do a podcast with you all that uh, whenever you – I mean, everybody's got their own memories uh, growing up. I was I grew up in the 90s in this deal. Uh, probably came to Denver the first time in 1993-ish time frame. And I can remember my old man uh, had a uh, tarp tent that they put a, a heater inside. It was pretty – pretty low grade back in the day but it kept us warm and uh anyways uh through the 90s and the 2000s as i became more aware of what was going on in the business you could always uh count on kent Havger and and bucky or whoever you had the bulls with to uh show up to denver with the most country-legged big bones big haired i mean the bigger the bone and the freakier the haired uh the more Kent liked them, and obviously a lot of his bulls have had impact uh, even to this day in the business, but uh, his stall was normally located on that corner stall on the, yeah. the road from the hill to the uh, yard bar as people were going to tie out. Kent was right there on the corner, and uh, I mean some of the standouts that he had in terms of bull promotion were uh, Doctor Who and Manchild. Doctor Who was a stud, but Manchild, I remember Manchild specifically. That was the biggest legged bull that I have ever seen on display at Denver, Colorado. You guys uh, want to hop in here and just give your thoughts on those couple of bulls? Can't, you know he 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 went to Denver and he he wanted the best bull on display. He wanted the best in Maine. I mean, he was really into all that, and if he. You know, got a name. He didn't tell you know <laughs> nobody. You wouldn't because you wouldn't tell nobody that nobody name. <laughs> take his name. He didn't want nobody to take his name. Before, before Ryan goes here, I just got to jump in here. One time, and I don't know what year this would have been. There was famously two bulls that showed up at the National Western yeah. Stock Show. With the same yeah. name. And those yeah. bull owners' that names were Kent Haberger and yeah. Phil Lautner had bulls oh. named Texas Hold'em. Yeah. Oh! Yeah. Oh! <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I remember that. So basically, for the younger folks on here, at the time my dad was hot and heavy in the bull promotion was before the wide world of social media. So... Most of the bulls, when you got to Denver, the first impression anybody got of their name, of who owned them, of what they looked like, yeah. was when the sign got put up and the bull got let out. Obviously, there was no pre-promotion at all. No. And no. most people at that time took their promotional bull picture at Denver, and so there was no pictures of the bulls. I mean, so when you, as a breeder, as an enthusiast, you walk into the yards at Denver, it's like a Christmas morning because all the names, the bulls are all fresh to everyone and I vividly remember the year with the two Texas Hold'ems because I had a father who was not a happy camper because somehow his <laughs> name had gotten leaked and yeah. uh, Matt's family member there got a hold of it and uh, the rest is history but yes there was two Texas Hold'ems. Well I tell you speaking from personal experience there is a lot of scrutiny 
about W's and names, and I just, I just, I, I can't believe how that felt for Kent or for anybody else that year. Whenever they popped up there, I do remember Kent always had a four by eight sign. When you know most other people might have a four by four sign, but he wanted that big bold banner up in the yards. And uh, whenever he rolled out his Texas Hold'em and somebody else rolled out their four by four Texas Hold'em, I bet there was some hostility going through the yards. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. And I remember and, uh, switching. Yeah, I think a lot of people remember the the hostility of that situation. Um, I will switch gears over to Manchild again here real quickly because um, I don't remember how old I was when Manchild came to the yards, but I was about 17, 18, still in high school. I'd been to Denver before, not as many times as Bucky, but I'd been through the process. I knew I knew how to do it. But I'll never forget the Manchild year because that was the craziest year. That's the only time we ever – as a family took a bowl to Denver and had people like, you know, eight to ten people deep all the way around the bowl. He was, you know, maybe not the most successful bowl in history, but he has to go down as one of the most popular bowls of the yards. He was so different than anything else at that time. He had triple the amount of hair of any other bull. I think Tracy Gretzky um, put that bull for my dad, and he was dialed in, and people were just yeah. falling over themselves for that bull. Yeah, I would say one thing that I would add to that, uh, if you attended Denver, or OKC for that matter, after the year 2019, so in 2020 through this year, you don't even know, you don't even know how packed that yard can get whenever it's at full staff and everybody's clamoring to get their look at these top bulls. And uh, so the last couple of years in OKC, the crowds have been okay. We haven't been disappointed at all. In uh, the last two years in Denver, the uh, crowds have been below average last year and, you know, probably what I would consider above average this year in terms of crowd size. But we still ain't got to that level where it's like shoulder to shoulder for three hours in the yard. People are elbowing each other trying to get their best look at some of these top bulls from across the country. But uh, whatever year that was with Manchild, I can just about envision that with with a row around the bull, five deep, like it's a rock star concert, like old The Beatles or uh, whoever your favorite performance artist is. <laughs> they all wanted to get a look at Manchild. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, like I said, I was young, and it, you know, from Burt, Iowa, a town of about 500 people. And obviously, I'd been out to other shows and stuff, but that, I just will never forget that year. It was, it was just really crazy. You bet. So I don't know every detail about that bull, but shout out to Jordan Haywood from Southern Iowa. Now he's still in Central okay. Iowa, and he was the breeder of that deal. And uh, obviously, one of the he has to go down as one of the all-time greatest promo bulls of standing in the yards in Denver, easily, easily in my career. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, news of the day: Jojencini sells uh, Memphis Mafia heifer sisters. In the Denver Main and Juice sale, one quarter embryo interest for two hundred thousand dollars to uh six oh five sires of South Dakota today. And uh later on in Kent's career, uh you guys had a little bull by the name of Doctor Who. Doctor Who raised by Ken Beltemp. And yeah. uh that I mean, in my personal interaction with Joe, he came to my barn to look at my uh my two main bulls before Denver and OKC this year. He said that uh, Doctor Who sold 10,000 units his second year on the market. 
So uh, that's a crazy amount of, of units to be sold. But can you give me give the audience a little background on old Doctor Who? I will start it off. So Doctor Who was actually the full brother to the Grand Champion Spirits Indiana State Fair. Um, I do not remember. Was it Cimarron's maybe? I'm not sure. I have to look that up. But anyway, he was grand at Indiana. My dad goes out to South Dakota, as he did all the time, when he was searching for the next great one, and he found Doctor Who and bought him out of pasture. And then he, as he did a lot of times as well, sold quarter interests off. So Mr. Todd Bucky Neal bought a quarter interest. Mr. Joe Gensini bought a quarter interest. And what was the other gentleman's name? Bucky? Dean. Dean? Yes, Roger. Is it Roger Dean? Roger Dean. There you go. Okay, so they all owned the bull together and then took him to Denver, obviously, and the rest is history. He is the only bull that we have buried in our backyard at Burt at the family farm. He has his own headstone that my mother tends to, and it's pretty beautiful. And he continues to sell semen today, and he is from 2000 and. One, I think, Bucky. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yeah, born and that. Yep. But big time, big time. That's awesome. About that's Dr. that's Who. that's the personal information that I wouldn't have known. I think the audience will love that uh, Doctor Who is buried in the backyard there at Bert. That is amazing info. Yep. Yeah. Next time you come look at Kevs, I'll show it to you. Absolutely. Go ahead. Thing about Doctor Who. You know, we sold a lot that second and third, you know, year, but that bull, I mean, sold, I mean, came in for a lot of years, like 10 years. I mean, constant. Mm-hmm. And it was a good, it was a good deal. I mean, good return on investment for, for Neil Cattle yeah. Company, I'd say. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, big, big yeah. time yeah. triple clean bull. I mean, uh, that was back yeah. whenever... There was a little bit of debate on whether a guy needed to be using these CH carriers, and we tried to go yeah. away from them for a couple of years. But uh, Doctor Who was a clean bull, and the and the maternal and the female end of that deal to this day, you yeah. see Doctor Who popping up on the direct dam side of some of these pedigrees. Uh, just amazing in terms of uh, the ability to throw some hair and some look and some bone and some structure every time. Yes, that's right. And the name Doctor Who which is kind of neat in my opinion, is because of his pedigree with the Who Made Who and the Witch Doctor. That's where the name comes from. This will just be my personal information. A couple of years previous to Doctor Who, uh, there was a bull from Veld Camp also that came through Dan Young and Phil Ottner that was called Hide and Watch. Uh, so Ken, he was on a roll of high-quality bulls there in the late 90s and early 2000s. But uh, that Doctor Who, he was an amazing animal. But... Uh, uh, Moving on to the next point. Uh, so, so Ryan, your dad, I mean, if you guys have some more in Doctor Who, we can sure visit about it, but your dad, uh, in my mind's eye, was like the inventor of text messaging, which led into social media to market your animals. And he was always a practical joker, like just, just one of the guys that would have fun at his own expense to uh, – lighten the mood or just to have fun with people. And there wasn't ever any of that, uh, you know, just he always was having a good time. And uh, one of the earliest ads I can remember after I was out of high school that Kent put out was I think a texting ad that he wanted people to text him their cat pictures. Or this might be old hat in the year 2023, 
But it was revolutionary to have people sending you their pictures of their baby calves out of the Hadrid Bulls back in the early 2000s. Uh, do you remember that ad by chance? I, I do, and one of the, and I vividly remember. I, I wish I could find it and I'd send you a picture. But one of the things, so my dad loved text messaging, as his friends know, before it was actually a popular thing like it is today. But one of the things he enjoyed the most was he would spell words wrong on purpose so that you couldn't just look at a text from him and read it like a normal text. You had to actually read it a couple times. You know, he would spell the word U, E-W-E, for example, that kind of stuff. So you'd have to read his text <laughs> two times out loud to even get what it said. He did that on purpose just to mess with you. Um, but, yeah, he loved the he loved the text, and he loved the practical jokes. I mean, I grew up all my life watching the practical jokes, and I was part of the practical jokes. Bucky knows all about them. Um, there were oh, lots yeah. of little cement figurines and statues put in people's trailers. There was, you know, pretty rare for someone to leave our farm at Burt without something snuck into their pickup or their trailer and for them to find when they get home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know there is a story. I don't know if you guys can tell it on air. Uh, maybe we could, we could rehash it in the second episode someday. But there's a story that has something to do with Rick Fry, Mike Strinan, uh, maybe Russ Harkema and Kent Haberger, something to do with the statue or something along those lines. But uh, I don't, I couldn't remember it off the top of my head, but I do know that Rick Fry told it to me before he passed away, and he giggled his ass off about some of the details about that story. Yeah. Well, I'll let Bucky correct me on what I don't have correct, and I don't know the whole thing. But one of the things my dad enjoyed in life was heckling or razzing Mr. Russ Harkema. He got a lot of pleasure out of that. <laughs> And there was a little cement statue of a Mexican man with his arms folded, and he was crying. And my dad always said that Russ pouted all the time, so he would put that in Russ's stalls. So Russ would get really, really upset when he found it. Yeah. That is right. That's funny. Yeah, because at nighttime, we would go get that, and we would... Pat that in his stall at night, and then the next day, the Russ would come out there and see that in his in his stall there. <laughs> yeah, that is right. I'm gonna call Russ Harkham out right here. Russ, I know you're listening. And you've been telling me since last April, brother, you're going to come do a podcast. I'm tired of waiting on you. So everybody that's listening to this knows Russ Harkman has his number. You go ahead and give Russ a call and say, we want to hear the Russ Harkman story from the 90s and 2000s when he was kicking ass at the Iowa State Fair. Yep. <laughs> so anyways, uh, uh, going back to, uh, like, your dad, Ryan, um, this would be my own personal knowledge, so correct me if I'm wrong. Your your brother was more of a farmer, and you had a more of a passion for show cattle. Is that right? Yep, you got it. So the family is my dad, Kent, obviously, my mother, Marty. A lot of people know her from over the years. And then my, I'm the oldest son, Ryan, and my younger brother is Mitchell. And as you know, we grew up, I definitely had more of a passion for the show ring. So I loved showing cattle, 
Um, you know, we were obviously very competitive over the years, and I actually got into showing lambs, which I still enjoy my show lamb business today. It's something I got into when I was about 14 years old. But uh, my brother, yeah, he's super passionate about the farming operation. So my grandfather and family, you know, have farms for many years, and my dad was part of the row crop farming operation as well. And my brother, luckily, has taken over that operation today, and he's just um, really passionate about that, and he does a great job. And he's also into restoring old tractors. Uh, he's really good at taking old machinery and fixing the engines and stripping them down and painting them and making them look like brand new. So it works out really well. He's basically the quote-unquote farmer, and I'm more of the livestock guy. You bet. Yep. Uh, Bucky, could you give us a personal story about Kent through the years that uh, makes you giggle the loudest here in the year 2023? Well, I think, yeah, we need to talk about the Who Falls football game with the maze. Do you remember <laughs> that, Matt, at all? I personally don't, I don't but it sounds like it needs to get told if, uh, if Ryan has a memory of it or or yourself. Go ahead, Ryan. I mean, you know well, all about well, Matt, you, you football games. Matt's just, yep, Matt's just a little older than me, so Matt, you and I would have been pretty little at this time, so I don't have um, memories of the actual games very well, but I know the story. So back in those days, my dad obviously uh, traded a lot of cattle to families, and they were competitive, and Bobby May, of course, another legend of the industry, traded a lot of cattle, and they were very competitive, of course. So, you know, obviously, they're all at Sioux Falls. At that time, Sioux Falls was one of the biggest shows of the whole year. And the story I was told is guys are out in the parking lot. So my dad kind of had his crew, and Bobby had his crew, and guys are out in the parking lot. Somebody was throwing a football around, and next thing you knew, it kind of turned into a little pickup game of football out in the parking lot. And turned into Bobby's crew versus my dad's crew. And then over the next few years, it turned into a serious event. And they <laughs> played it annually in the, the show ring. <laughs> show ring the right. night before. It night was before, all... Yeah. And I mean, it got... It was all fun and, you know, games. And up until, you know... Kent, he decided he wanted, you know, to, you know, to bring in, you know, Merle Dodds and all his. A second bucket. We got to get a shout out from Merle here. So Merle oh. Dodds from Algona, Iowa, is the uncle. Oh. His sister, his sister is the direct mother of uh, TCU quarterback. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his Max, name again? Max Duggan. Max, Max Duggan. Duggan. Max Duggan's mom is Merle Dodd's brother or sister, whatever. How does that work? Yes. Yeah, so Merle play, I didn't know this until last week during the national championship game. Merle played college football at the University of South Dakota, made it to the national semifinals yeah. there in 1985. Yeah. And Jason Kohlhaas gave me the article. So Merle... Once again, even though you don't want to be, buddy, you're on the MLC Big Show telling about your history, brother. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and not only it was all it was a fun <laughs> football game, and you, know, you get Merle 
the guys, you hand him the the football, and wow. it wasn't, you know, he was so big and fast, strong, that there ain't nope. nobody that could tackle that guy. And did anybody go to the hospital during these uh, football games? Yeah. Yes, they did. There was yes, they did. Two guys that had ended up with surgeries on their knees, and <laughs> and uh, and one guy he got his ear torn off. So yeah, that's how. <laughs> that's how I many rough it was. That's amazing. So, yeah, so I mean, anybody who knows my dad knows he's one of the most personal guys, most nice guys in the world, but he also was very competitive and he wanted to win those games. I mean, there was also like Iowa State football players recruited and yeah. he had, I remember special shirts made with numbers, you know, jerseys with numbers on the back. And it was, it was like he was there to win it and that thing got, um, even picked up by the local news station out there one year. I wish we could find yeah. that, but it was on the news. Awesome. And I have to say this. I mean, you know, Bobby was really tough, too, you know. He he just loved that football game, and he was, you know, d- d- down in the, you know, center of all of that. But <laughs> on the other side, Kent was on the – Sidelines. He was never <laughs> into the football game at all. He was so, just so. Perfect. I don't. So if if we're to a younger generation that doesn't know the name Kent Haberger, I gotta tell them that Kent's nickname in this is what I knew him by. Maybe this is wrong. Was Silver Fox, and he liked to keep that, that hair just. He liked to keep that yeah. hair kind of. You know, it looked oh, like yeah. Jay Leno or whatever. It was always in perfectly in place. <laughs> you know, we always. Say well, you know, Ken. I mean, get out there. You know, let's see you out there. You know, but he would never, he would never, you know, go out there. Never. So that's called management, Bucky. Hats off to, you know, you know, May was he was our, you know, linebacker. He was, you know, he was in there. One question I'd have for Ryan or Bucky uh, is the, the name is escaping me, but one of the greatest relationships that Kent had uh, selling cattle to during his career was that breeding heifer family from up in Sioux City. Uh, Billy, what was the name again? Figus. Figus. Figuses. I mean, in the late 90s and 2000s, or maybe it was just the 2000s, if you went to a heifer show, you was usually going to get your ass kicked by a Dr. Uheffer sold by Kent Haberger and shown by the Figus family. Uh, can I mean, maybe that's not the relationship that sticks out to you the most, Ryan, but could you give a little uh, shout-out to the Figuses and just some of the wins you all had, if you can remember them, even though you were young at that time? Absolutely. So, I mean, there's been lots of families over the years um, before the Figus family that my dad had successful relationships with. But, uh, you know, that's definitely one that sticks out to me as well because uh, I was at that age where I was old enough to be a part of it and remember it. But, yeah, the Bill Figus and his daughters had a, a great run. Um, they had, you know, I can't 
think of all the wins, but I I, I did send you a couple sure. pictures of that scrounged up. But uh, major yep. winners, national champion heifers, no no doubt about it. And and Bill had a great crew, um, Mr. Greg Vanzee, that's now part of the Adele operation, was part of the Figus operation, and uh, Mr. Harley Goble was uh, also integral part of that group and. It was a lot of fun because they were being successful about the same time I was showing steers. So I was showing the steers and they were showing that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, just scrolling through these pictures here. And uh, who are these 1989 American Royal Livestock Show? Who are these dashing ladies in the middle of the picture? Is one of them your mom? Maybe the one in the middle? Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring that up. My mom, my mom wanted me to make sure send that picture to you because um, that was before my time. Bucky was part of that, but I know back in the day it was a big thing to take trios to the American Royal in Kansas City and we would exhibit them and sell them. And yes, that is my mother in the middle, and I am not sure. Bucky, is that one of the Michaels on the left? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's uh, that Pete. Oh, that. They're good-looking young ladies, and we'll just call them the Beehive Sisters because they all got that hair all all up in the air and curled up. It's like the 1980s hairdo. Yes, that's right. You bet. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just just an amazing career that your papa had. And uh, uh, just for the audience that might not be 100% aware of you, Ryan, uh, your biggest and this is this is small potatoes compared to some of the more important stuff we're talking about with you, Dad, but you won Exarbon one of them years later in your career, didn't you? That might be your biggest uh, show seer or fat seer yeah. win, is that correct? Yes, yeah, so it was my last year of being a 4-H, and I was lucky enough to have the Grand Champion Steer at the Exarbon. That would have been the very first year they moved into the Quest Center there in Omaha, if you remember. Um, so that was obviously an awesome experience to – to get that big win, uh, our main goal, to be honest, was always to win the Iowa State Fair, and there was multiple occasions where I was always the first one out. So I was, you know, third in class behind the Grand and Reserve that year when Mr. Troy Thomas judged, and a lot of people still think that was one of the best, you know, toughest steer classes there's ever been at the Iowa State Fair. I was third behind the Grand Reserve, and there was multiple times where I was division reserve behind the Reserve or the Grand and we always knocked on the door. That's what we always want to do, but I wasn't as lucky as you, Matt, because I remember when you got your steer slept. Well, I was a young punk back in the day. Still am, but I was really young and really stupid back then. <laughs> 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 Anyways, no, that's, uh, I mean, this whole thing, this whole livestock showing is uh, just a great way to uh, raise the family and I wouldn't have known the difference back in 1998, but uh, in the year 2023, looking forward to getting my own kiddo in the show ring. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of memories to be had. And uh, I've, I've sure enjoyed uh, the conversation, and I'll, I'll leave it up to you guys how you want to wrap this deal up. And I'm sure there's more to go on. I'm, I've only had one text from my wife so far that our table's ready, but uh, you guys <laughs> – just uh, sign off however you want to sign off, and I will mute myself. I'll have Kevin Mears up in the control room shut me up and uh, let you guys sign off how you want to sign off. Go ahead. Uh, I'll just, you know, would like to say about my dad that 
like I said before, he's really personal, nice guy. Everybody seemed to like him that, that knew him, but he was also very competitive and serious about what he did. Um, he, you know, he always wanted to win, and he always pushed, you know, me or the families he's helping to work hard and do our best, and the hard work would pay off. And so, uh, you know, that's something I've, you know, tried to be a hard worker my whole life. And, and as a pharmacist and in the livestock industry, I always do the best that I can and, and work hard every day and take that from my dad. I will also say we didn't really talk about it much, but one thing my dad enjoyed for many different reasons, was judging. So my dad judged anything from county fairs to national shows. You know, he judged on the green chips at Louisville. And that was something that he loved to do, not only because he liked to evaluate the livestock, but because he loved working with the kids. Uh, it's really crazy, but I still have people come up to me. You know, my dad's been gone for many years now. I still have people that come up to me today and talk about when my dad judged them at their county fair and the nice things he said to them and the comments he made, you know, he took the time with the kids because he loved the industry, absolutely loved the industry, loved the breeders, loved the cattle, but he really loved working with the youth and he loved helping kids be successful and he just loved everything about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Doctor. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. And one other thing about Ken, I mean, he was so honest. You know, the honest way, you know, the right way. I mean, he he wanted everything, you know, done the right way. So, and, and I've always, you know, looked up to that. I mean, I, I run my operation that way. I mean, I just think a lot of people, you know, he just, he was honest. I mean, honest is a big, you know, thing. So, other than that, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, all, uh, yeah. he always did stuff, always did stuff the right way, and uh, the yeah. relationships that he built, uh, I mean, it, you didn't even have, really have to know him or interact with him to realize that the uh, relationships that he built were more important to him than, uh, you know, than, I mean, everybody wants to win. And like you said earlier, he's very, very competitive, but uh, he just always yeah. had a uh, engaging interaction. I was only, <clears throat> whatever I would have been, 20, 25 years old during this time frame, and uh, he uh, always made time for a little punk like me and uh, just always enjoyed my interaction with Kent. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh can't believe it's been so long since he's been gone, but uh, just one of the true legends of the industry, and I'm I'm very honored to uh, remind those that are young and upcoming about one of the legends of our industry that not everybody uh, might know about in the year 2023. Yep. I appreciate you guys taking the time and uh, looking forward to uh, Ryan and Bucky both uh, – getting the bull back out underneath the sun and the mountains out here in Denver, Colorado over the coming years. And uh, yeah. I guess our own personal <clears throat> interaction from the last 10 years or dozen years was is, uh, you guys had a – Bucky and Brian had a an I-80 sun over in that corner stall. Uh, in, I don't right. remember what year it was, 11, 12. And that bull's name was I-67. Uh, yeah. 
I think it was road trip maybe or something at the time. Whenever you guys yeah. played, and we renamed to my '67. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. I believe I gave you seventy thousand reasons to to like the uh, uh, That's right. the uh, relocation from Burt, Iowa, down to Adel, Iowa. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. That. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, back then, and it is now. I mean, that was a a lot of money. I remember Hunk that. of money. Yeah. A lot yeah. of money. But, yeah. yeah, he uh, he had a good run. He actually oh, you know, yeah. won a couple state fairs and stuff and uh, yeah. didn't do quite yeah. as much damage as Daddy I-80, but he had a hell of a good run. And, and uh, oh, I do yeah. appreciate you guys telling me that one. We made the money back yep. and, and then some. And, uh, yep. yeah, thank you very much for joining me. And, uh, I mean, as always, I just enjoyed the history of the game. Uh, last spring and summer, we did a tremendous amount of documenting some of the old stories, and uh, look forward to having Don Coover on tomorrow or in the, in the next day or two. We'll have Don Coover on to tell some stories about cloning full flush in the late '90s and early 2000s, and uh, just just love telling these old stories because uh, there's no digital record of some of the stuff that went on uh, before Facebook and all that came about, and. Uh, Thank you guys for telling the story of Kent Haviger, absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. it. You bet. We'll be in touch, guys. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you.